It's time for the Red Hawk Report on 102.1 FM KXSU. And now, here's your host, Russell Brown. And welcome into another episode of the Red Hawk Report here on KXSU, Seattle University student-run radio station. Russell Brown back in studio here, joined by uh, Grant Balzer of men's soccer, Mazvita out in Germany with the Seahawks, so clearly has better things to do. But Grant, happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Russell. Yep, yep. So we had a uh, quite the week behind us. Uh, obviously, you and men's soccer were down there. You guys made a run, got knocked out in the semifinals, but just so fans get to know you, how was that season? I know it was up and down, but how do you feel? Uh, yeah, definitely uh, brought a lot of character out of every player. Uh, obviously, we had great wins this year. Uh, preseason beat number five, Oregon State, uh, 3-0, and then first game of the year we beat uh, number four, Notre Dame, uh, 3-1. So it looked promising at the beginning, but obviously college athletics doesn't all go as planned during a season. You're going to have your ups and downs. and. Uh, but when it came to the WAC tournament and we were doing so well, everything that we wanted uh, from that season was still in front of us. It just happened that we got caught on a little off day in San Jose State, happened to play a really good game against us and beat us 4-0. You have a background. You want to do media. You have a podcast as well uh, from Michigan, right? So tell us a little bit about your background. Let people know. Uh, so, yeah, I grew up at a private Christian school, uh, only like 680 kids. Um, so I, I played three sports. I, I grew up just loving sports. Uh, I was a huge Red Wings fan growing up. I would, um, I, it was on the TV every single night they were playing. Uh, I didn't grow up as a Tigers fan. I was kind of as, as a Yankees fan. So sports has always been in my DNA. I have four older siblings that played soccer all their life, um, played high school basketball as well. Um, so, you know, growing up for the last 21 years, I've always been around sports. I've always watched my siblings play sports, and that kind of what gave me the love for pretty much every game. And, admired everything about all the athletes that they do professionally. I think you have a sister downtown she's playing. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the oil rain and, uh, you know, that's, that's great. Bethany, uh, obviously an amazing athlete. You're an amazing athlete. So it's always cool to see families that do so well together. But, uh, again, welcome into the Red Hawk Report. we got a new co-host. Hopefully someone we're going to have on quite a bit over the next uh, year or so. So, Grant, thanks for uh, joining the show. As we said, we do have a week in review coming up. This is the basketball Somewhat preview episodes coming out a little bit late due to technical difficulties, but uh, you know we get around to it. Uh, but the week in review, uh, volleyball and men's soccer, as we talked about, seasons come to an end. Volleyball ended up losing, and uh, their regular season came to an end. They did not make the conference tournament, unfortunately for them. Men's soccer, on the flip side, they got the win in the opening round. Uh, uh, thrilling game against Grand Canyon University, a team that you guys seem to really like button heads and having big games against. Mm -hmm. Obviously last year they won in PKs to go to the NCAA tournament. This year they took them down. You guys ended up conceding the penalty, but uh, come back and get the game winner as well. Um, You know, you talked about how the season went, but uh, up and down, but you guys have a lot of good young talent. Obviously your uh, quote unquote mentor, your good friend, Akili Kasim, moving on now. So it's going to be interesting seeing next year how that yeah, works. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, going on, as we said, uh, Swim. Swim had their alumni meet over the past weekend, and then they went uh, on the road in Idaho. So that was the uh, kind of a wrap up. It's such a busy time of year, only having three, three sports essentially uh, men's and women's swim, volleyball, and men's soccer in action. Women's soccer due to the fact that we did not have an episode last week. They also dropped in the semifinals that was hosted here. 
so an early exit for both of the soccer programs that historically have made runs in those instances. But uh, always next year, great building blocks for both of those programs. So exciting to see how those teams go into next year. Volleyball, this is the first true recruiting class here for uh, Michelle Cole and volleyball. So see the building blocks they have. Great talent there as well. So uh, things looking up despite uh, early exits for those squads here. But uh, it is the basketball preview episode, so we're going to dive into that one. So far, women's basketball has had two games this season. They were down in Oregon, taking on the Ducks and the Beavers. Two tough matchups to start your uh, season, two Pac-12 opponents. Women's basketball was very competitive in both uh, Oregon State game. They were close at halftime, and the Beavers ended up pulling away there. But uh, Red Ox were led in that game by 10 points from Sheridan Leggett. Behind her, Juliana Walker, the transfer from Syracuse, and Talia Clark had eight points as well. But, uh, Grant, I mean, it's, it's a tough one to open up on the road. As you guys know, you guys played Oregon State. You guys went on the road, opened up against the number four team in the country. But what's that like playing a quote-unquote power five on the road to open up your season? Oh, it's it's – there's definitely a lot of energy there because you know you're you're not expected to win. You're expected to kind of get blown out. So you come into the game with you know we have something to prove here, and you know as you're gonna as we've seen in many sports all across the country. You know you see these the the little so-called little giants that yeah. compete for about whether no matter what sport a half or three quarters, and then you know you you see you see the power five kind of pull away. But you know it's 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 fun going in and getting that competition early in the year. Definitely gonna. Uh, toughen you up for later in the season. A hundred percent, and it, it is a tough matchup anytime. Women's basketball has gone down to Oregon several times. Uh, big performances from Oregon State. They had a couple of players that scored 20. So, you know, it's it's an uphill battle. It's a tough one to start the season, but it's one that I think Susie Barkham and women's basketball, they want those type of games to open up the season to test who you are, and not saying it's easier in the Western Athletic Conference or anything like that, but I think when you get battle tested early, it truly proves what type of team you're going to be. They uh, followed that up by going a little more south to Eugene, down there at Knight Arena, yeah, taking on the Ducks. Irina Korolinko this time led the way, 14 points by her. Again, Talia Clark being consistent, she has nine points. Peyton Howard with eight, uh, but again they dropped 90 to 47. That one was a little more distant throughout the game as the Red Ox got outscored in every quarter by double digits. But uh, except for the second, excuse me, they only outscored by five. But again, it's, it's the same thing as the Oregon State game. It's it's not necessarily a game that you're looking to win. It's a game you're looking to test yourself. Oregon is the number 20th ranked team in the country. So not saying you expect to lose, but it's a game where you're more trying to prepare yourself for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And you go back to the Oregon State game. I mean, that was a 12-point game going yeah. into the fourth quarter. And obviously it – it ended up a lot more than that, but you're, you were competitive in that game, and you you had yep. your, you put in your chain, you put in you were in the position uh, to give your shot a, a chance to win. But obviously the Oregon, Oregon, you know the, the history they have with you know Sabrina Ionescu going there, and obviously like you said, they're 20th in the country. They're going to do that, um, so that was obviously going to be a lot tougher team. And obviously you're going to expect Oregon to finish up a hot a lot higher in the stands than Oregon State at the end of the year. 100 uh, percent on that one. This is a new face to women's basketball here at Seattle University. Uh, obviously, the departure of the backcourt, uh, it, it's tough. You know, anytime you get in, we'll talk about it in the men's, the same as you lose a big piece of that, uh, that backcourt. 
You bring in Juliana Walker, a transfer from Syracuse. She was the player of the year in the state of Washington when she was at Annie Wright down in Tacoma. That's a big get. You got a couple few freshmen from Scandinavia and Esther Blodenfeld. Uh, you get uh, the Norwegian and Kari Churchimbo. Uh, you also get another tall sized big four down there in Lisa Michelson. So you get the size that I think, you know, might've been a problem in past years. You get not just one guard to replace what you lost last year, but you bring in a few. You have Talia Clark as a turnover, Irina Kurilenko and Peyton Howard. So you have a good mixture here, Grant, of new and not old, but new and returning players to a team that uh, projected to come in last, dead last in the Western Athletic Conference. It still blows my mind. We'll talk with uh, Susie about that, but I don't think this is by any means a team that's going to come in last uh, by any stretch of the match. No, absolutely. I mean, that's that's why they're called preseason rankings for a reason. They, unless unless you're like a fan or the media, yeah. you, you do look at those. But as a player, you, you, that doesn't really mean much to you. But as you said, with all the departures, I mean, when I was I was looking through last season, they lost their top five scorers who happen to yeah. average a combined 37 points per game. And when you're averaging 66 a game, that's that's half your scoring. Yep. So. Uh, Coach Barcom's got to find out where that scoring is going to come, and obviously with uh, only one tr- one senior on the roster, but also six freshmen and a lot of transfers. Um, hopefully, they can. It's going to take a little bit to get them going, but hopefully by whack whack play in late December, uh, they'll find an identity. And if you remember last season, this was a team that competed towards every time they had a big matchup with one of the top teams in the whack, they were in the game, and unfortunately, it was always they came on the. You know, short end of the stick in those games, where they were competitive and they were a play away from, you could say, upsetting these mm-hmm. teams. So this is by no means a team that, you know, oh, you can overlook and compare it kind of to previous years, even men's basketball, where you're projected to come in somewhere and you can either look at that as, hey, we got proven everybody wrong, or it's like they're overlooking us and using that as fuel. And uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to see if they go down that path and truly not buy into their preseason ranking, but use it as you know motivation to really take down some big opponents because we look forward at the schedule. we got a couple big in-state ones against Washington on November 30th, Eastern Washington, December 13th. Um, not to mention, you got another Oregon opponent coming to town this Thursday, Portland State, the Vikings, who men's basketball just took care of as well. It'd be nice to get the sweep here for the red and black, uh, but then follow up by UC Irvine on Saturday. San Diego State. So, I mean, there's big matchups coming up before conference play that you can look at and be like, hey, big opportunities to prove who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you said, the, the the competitive spirit that they had last year, all the games were 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 within were were in were within a range in the fourth quarter. I mean, yep. they, they may have lost by 15, or there wasn't too many games where they lost by more than 10 points. And you know, you you do play a lot of a lot of teams twice in the whack, and you did see on their schedule where they would beat one team the first time, or lose to them the second time, yep. or lose to them the first time, and beat them the second time. So they definitely had that comp- competitive edge, and hopefully, maybe this year they can turn one of those some of those games into. Uh, to more wins, obviously, those close losses that they had last year. And it really was. It was, you know, a turnover here or a missed shot or, you know, you have a foul to give. I mean, I'm serious. It came down to final play so many times with this squad. And the scoreline, they could have lost by eight. But as you know, you play basketball as well. One play with a minute left can determine the game just because oh, yeah, then it goes into fouling and you're trying to catch up. But, uh, you know, I, I think this is a team that's going to prove a lot of people wrong this season. And uh, I'm sure Coach Barkham, as we talked, feels the same way 
Uh, it's just going to be, again, when you mesh in new people with returning veterans, you got to get that chemistry. Shots need to start falling. you got a bunch of people playing in a new environment, a new arena. And, you know, it takes some time to warm up and finally hit your shots, finally figure out, oh, that player likes to cut at this point. I know where to perfectly put it. I know where to do this and that. It, you know, chemistry gets talked about a lot, and that's because it's a big factor in getting wins. Mm -hmm. That's why, obviously, Coach Barkham does put the schedule that she does every single mm -hmm. um, season before the WAC play because, I mean, like, like you said, the Washington, the Oregon, the Oregon States, and San Diego State, those are – those those are probably four teams that will be in the that could be competing for the NCAA tournament uh, when it comes March. But um, yeah, the the new groups coming together, and you got to believe in Coach Barkham. She's it's not like this is her first rodeo and no. first year with with new players and bringing it in and having this situation. Um, so obviously, you got to have that trust of your players that it's gonna it's gonna uh, mesh along uh, throughout the year. And it's again the the preseason of being picked last. It, it, it stings a little bit. It's a su surprise. Stephen of Austin picked first. They got nine of the first place votes behind them. UT Arlington with two and Grand Canyon. Both of them actually split two of those first place votes. California Baptist behind them. And then Abilene Christian rounding up the top five, followed by newcomer Southern Utah. Sam Houston, Utah Valley, UTRGV, and New Mexico State round out the top ten, followed by Tarleton, Utah Tech, and Seattle U. Uh, Player of the Year, Ayana Johnson. But again, first or second team, all whack, Grant. Not a single Red Hawk in that. I think that's just because the league doesn't even know how to see this, these new players. They don't see how the returners, are they going to step up? It's a lot of what-ifs with this team. And obviously us being affiliated with Seattle U, we say, hey, there's upside. But mm -hmm. from the outside, you can understand why people might be overlooking them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you look at what they did last year you'd be like oh they were 11 and 19 what do they got but obviously it's a, it's a new year new season um so obviously if you're coach barkham and the clu players you got to make the got to make the whack um uh committee just turn their heads yep. when it when it comes to whack play and be like okay yeah we underestimated good for clu and hopefully they can go on and have a great run this year yeah and you bring in players that have pedigree juliana walker as we said Great score in the state of Washington. I mean, people knew about her, her when she went on to Syracuse from Annie Wright. She can shoot the ball. She's coming in as a guard here. Uh, you can scroll down even more to the international. We talk about Kari uh, Trichenbo out of Bergen, Norway. She was part of the Norwegian national team. I know you don't think Norway of basketball, but that experience is huge. Uh, she's a transfer from UC Riverside. So, I mean, you get players that have been in big moments and have played in spots. The returners have played so well. Korolinko, as we talk about, Madeline Phillips down in the post. Uh, whether it's Ramona Jagger, whether it's you know Peyton Howard, it's a lot of good mixture. But again, it's just going to be interesting how it meshes as the season goes on. But if how they battled against Oregon State through three quarters, and how they didn't, you know, by any means fold against the University of Oregon, I think it's a good sign uh, for the year ahead. But we did sit down with. Susie Barkham, so we'll get to that interview now. Here's head coach Susie Barkham on the Red Arc Report. All right. And welcome back into another preview portion of the Red Hawk Report. We're joined by head women's basketball coach Susie Barkham. Coach, thanks for you just finished practice, so thank you for joining us. Appreciate you having me. You guys are coming into uh, a new year with a very new team 
expectations around the league or they don't know what these new players are capable of. So this is kind of an episode just to get to know the team and what your expectations are even. So what's it like having so, so many new faces when you used to have such a solid core? Absolutely. So we have eight newcomers this year, um, six of which are first-year players and then two transfers. So, um, And it's, it's dynamically different. We graduated at probably 95% of our offense, so I think that's probably why you see us where you see us in the polls. And people are understanding that we have to – uh, rely on a lot of newcomers, and they don't know anything about the newcomers, but um, we do, and, and we're really happy with everybody who is coming here. And we feel as though uh, they'll make a big difference. They're going to impact us. Um, they will play significant minutes for us. Um, and it's just an opportunity uh, for us to show everybody that um, we're probably better than how we were ranked. It seems to be a trend around campus, but you're getting used to a new backcourt. It's just both men's and women's basketball have new yeah. backcourts. The loss of your primary ball handlers from last mm -hmm. year, what are you looking for from that position, those two positions coming into this year? For sure. So last year, I mean, steady eddies with what we started. Probably had a three-guard rotation between uh, the three individuals. Le at least Peyton is back, and now I can relieve her of a little bit of having to be forced into the point guard position. We uh, recruited and received three uh, point guards. So we have Jules, who's a transfer from Syracuse, the local uh, kid coming back home. Um, and we have Noemi, and then we have Esta from Denmark. So all three dynamically different point guards, which will help us be different on all different levels. Um, probably will not have two point guards on the floor at the same time this year. We'll be able to be a little bit bigger um, in that regard. And, and overall, we're bigger. Um, with that. So Esta, international basketball, you know, um, plays a little bit more up-tempo. Noemi played for a terrific program uh, down in San Jose area. And then, of course, Jules um, scored a lot of points at the high school level when she was a high school. I was going to say, was she Washington Player of the Year, I believe? That Absolutely, she was, yeah. And then obviously with the Syracuse program. Yeah. Talking about that international player, you have a player from Denmark now, you have a player mm -hmm. from Norway. Has mm -hmm. that been a emphasis of recruiting lately, is getting players internationally? You know, I think one of the things is we have actually have two Danes on our team, um, one Norwegian and still one Australian. Right. Um, but I think what it is is that um, Seattle is appealing to the international student athlete, especially on the women's side of things. And um, we're such a metropolitan area and such high academics. Um, and I think it's it's easy um, for them to see themselves in Seattle. So um, Kari from Norway, she played one year at the Division One level um, in SoCal, transferred back home during the COVID. I mean, who wouldn't and that type of thing. And then she was ready to come back to the United States. So she'll be playing significant time for us at the four and five spot. Um, one of the most um, hardest workers I have had in uh, on our team in a very, very long time. So uh, the two Danes, uh, Lisa and Esta, um, they know each other from over overseas. But long story short, Lisa is the goddaughter of a teammate of mine from the University of Washington. Um, so that's kind of a connection that we have here. And so I, I, uh, I knew her parents when I visited over to Denmark. Okay. So um, that's was just a full circle sometimes. And actually, honestly, Esta and Lisa knew Kari from Norway as well. So um, it's pretty cool in it that regard. Must be that European connection. Absolutely, <laughs> so, yeah. Going back to the, the WAC projections, yeah. 
I know obviously there's one thing that you might say to us and one thing the players are feeling, but is that motivation seeing where you guys were projected and knowing you are better than that? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty shocked. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I, I didn't, I, I figured we'd probably be picked in the middle of the pack and maybe people did some homework and saw how many points we graduated. So um, that was a little surprising to me. And motivation, I don't know. It's, it's like you're either gonna prove them wrong, but you're proving us right. Um, so I just don't feel like we were a 13th place team and you know it's our responsibility to make sure everybody knows where we feel like we are and where we should finish. We have pretty lofty goals this year even though we're super young um, but we're just going to keep on working at them every single day. Looking at the 22-23 schedule, mm -hmm. is there anything that really stands out that you're really excited for when it comes to competition? Well, I mean, we open with Oregon State and Oregon uh, on the road. So I think that's going to be really interesting for us because we'll kind of see what the foreign tour did for us, um, if it really helped us and where we're at. And then, you know, we're home this year, and we haven't been home in a really long time. Um, so that will really be nice to have um, the home fans here. And we just are playing a, a plethora of mid-range um, mid-majors and so that's and from different leagues so I think our hope is that's going to prep us for the WAC because the WAC is so different um, from top to bottom and you know dribble drive you got three balls you've got power ball you got speed and so I think um, our preseason will kind of map that out for us. Talk to you alluded to it there the Greece tour how yeah. was that was there any how was that as a bonding it was phenomenal um you know I, I, it was cut short just because of some cancellations but I tell you what our young women uh it was a different group every single time so great opportunity for us to hang out together play three games of basketball visit an amazing country and really get to know each other and we took the time to get to know each other with so many new people on the team so um gave them a lot of free time so that they could just hang out rather than scripting everything out. We wanted it to be truly organic, um, and it was. So it was well worth it. It was a hard two to three weeks leading up to it, um, and well worth the, the trip for sure. Well, we are all excited for women's basketball this year, so thanks for sitting with us here on the Red Aqua. Oh, you, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thanks again to Susie Barkham for hopping on the Red Hawk Report, talking about the season ahead here, obviously two games in, but none at home. That is until this Thursday, so be sure to pack the Red Hawk Center. When Portland State comes to town trying to sweep the Vikings, Red Hawk, men, uh, Red Hawk men's and women's basketball is trying to do that. So big game, show up, be loud there in the red zone and uh, throughout the rest of the stadium. But... Now we got men's basketball, who a little bit different than women's. They come in, well, not necessarily a little bit different, but they come middle of the pack, preseason projections. But now no one's overlooking the Red Hawks, co-champions last year in the regular season. They got the rings this year. Chris Victor got coach of the year. Doesn't matter what projections are. Every other team in the Western Athletic Conference has a target on the Red Hawks' back. They played so well at home last year. Obviously, they got tripped up by New Mexico State, which we'll talk about. But, I mean, this is another team where, yeah, you lose a guy like Darion Trammell, who we all know moved on to San Diego State, already doing big things, player of the week. You know, that is the big question for this team. Without your leader, how are you going to come back? Well, they're 3-0, Grant, and they have looked solid, especially at the guard play, which is one of the questions. You think, oh, can they step up without him? Cam Tyson, the returner, stepping up. I mean, it has been, they have showed everybody why you can't overlook them and why the rest of the whack are saying, hey, 
you got to watch out for the Red Hawks. No, you're 100% correct. I mean, as you said, they're coming into this year preseason ranked six. I, I honestly don't know what they were looking at for that. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yes, you did mention Darion Trammell and what he's been doing at San Diego State and the big loss that he is. But it's besides, besides him, they, they pretty much return pretty much everyone yep. in the starting five. Yep. Um, and we've we've seen in the first few games, which we'll get to, the, I mean, Alex, Alex Schumacher has been playing – Unbelievable at the garbage. It's not yep. shooting well, but it's the leadership. He's he's got size to him. Yep. Um, and as you mentioned, Cam Tyson. I mean, how can we underestimate him as he won the WAC Player of the Week? So Chris Victor's got to be in the, like three and zero. That's a great start for them. And Chris Victor's got to be excited. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the schedule coming up for them and what's ahead. But uh, right now, you got to be you got to be really happy and pleased with their performances so far. Chris Victor actually came in here with Alex Pribble getting, picking up uh, the schedule posters, and he was in a great mood. He was high-fiving everybody. There's a good feeling around this team right now. Uh, obviously, anytime you start 3-0, and that's great. But, you know, the Red Ox Center has been packed, Grant. You know, that was a thing. Coming back from COVID, you know, it took some time for the fans to get back in uh, and pack that place, or even down at Climate Pledge. But I feel like the fans are finally buying in. Shocker, winning does that to some fan bases. Um, but it feels good, and what a way to open up the season, 85-71 to 71 over UC San Diego down there in California. And Cam Tyson, believe it or not, had a career night. 35 points, a career high, 8 rebounds. He was 12 of 18 from the floor, including 7 of 12 from deep. Only thing you can highlight is 4 from, eight, four from, eight, uh, from the free throw line. He missed 4 in a row, so... You know, there's that, but if that's the one hole in his game, I mean, behind him, Riley Grigsby, who unfortunately is battling some injuries right now. He had 14 points in the game. Emeka Udini didn't miss a shot at 10.6 rebounds. And then, as you said, Alex Schumacher did not shoot the ball well. All right, where else can you contribute? Oh, still had nine points, seven rebounds, and five assists. That's exactly what you want to see. Yeah, especially out of, out of your... Uh, a newcomer guard like that, but I I do want to go touch back on the the whole environment at the Red Hawk Center with yeah, the fans. Yeah. You know, at the beginning of the year there there were maybe three four hundred people in, in the Red Hawk Center, and they ended the last three games last year with sellout crowds. Yep. And so far yep. they're sold out all nine hundred and ninety nine seats in the Red Hawk Center this year, which obviously is not a lot. But I think I they had eleven hundred last night, so yeah, they yeah, above possibly. capacity. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 a tough environment when yeah. it's packed, and now with the students coming out and the the red zone getting loud, it's yeah. definitely going to be a tough place to play, and especially if this team keeps winning, which don't be surprised if they do. And it already was a tough environment because they wouldn't lose at home. Yeah. I mean, Climate players they lost one game, which was the weirdest game, uh, to who VMI, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was weird. It was a weird loss. It wasn't. They definitely played a lot better at home than they did on the road. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, then they open up on the road here, Grant, and career night from a guy that can shoot the lights out in Cam Tyson. And if you can get that type of performance from him, then I don't see a lot of teams that are truly going to knock off the Red Hawks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's he's averaging, I think, I believe, it's 32 points a game this year. Yeah, which is um, top in the nation if he played against Puget Sound yes, on average. I, Yes, I did see that and as well. I think at least top five and three-pointers made already. He's, he's only played one. two of the three games. Yep. Um, obviously, am I going to say he's going to go out and give you 33 points every <laughs> single night? No, but as Red Hawks fans, you sure wish that does happen. And yep. He's hitting nine threes a game. But like you said, if he can average somewhere in those mid-20s, they're, they're looking pretty good. And obviously, they're going to get contributions somewhere else as, as 
uh, as we said, Alex Schumacher coming along and Angelo Lloyd, he's, he's been stepping it up. He had 21 points against Puget Sound. So if the more guys can contribute around it and there's more points, obviously, if you're Chris Victor, you don't want it all to fall on one guy and be like, okay, we're going to go as Camp Tyson goes. You want to yep. have that balanced scoring and balanced rebounding and balancing all over the place where, okay, if he's in foul trouble, you could take him off and sub somebody back on and still get the same contributions from everybody up and down the roster. A hundred percent. And coach Chris Victor had a chance to see what everybody else could contribute when they did host Puget Sound last week. Uh, there was no Cam Tyson, no Riley Grigsby, no Branton Chatfield. So you're missing three key starters there. It said Angela Lloyd got the start alongside Alex Schumacher. Emeka Udini again was a starter. Hard to take him out of the lineup. Kobe Williamson and Victor Akovic all got the starts. Uh, was it five different Red Hawks scored in double figures, led by Lloyd. He had his coming out party there, 21 points, 7 of 10 efficient uh, from the floor, including 5 of 7 from deep. Uh, behind him, Schumacher, who still didn't shoot. Oh, he did shoot great in this one, but still trying to get that shot for him down. 15 points, 6 of 8 shooting. Uh, behind them, Jaron off the bench. Nafaretti, who got the entire Red Hawks center going. Anytime you get those guys that have been with the program and don't get as many minutes, but Jaron came off the bench just shooting the ball. And so it's 15 uh, points, 5 of 10 from the floor. 13 from Shea Riley, who we'll talk about being a key newcomer as well. And then Brody Nunn also. So you talk about Brody and Jaron right there. You know, those are two guys that don't necessarily get in, but they're depth and they showed that they can still play. I mean, yeah, absolutely great. I mean, you look at Jaron, 14 minutes, 15 points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brody, 17 minutes and 11 points. And obviously those minutes are a lot higher than what they normally get, but they're shooters. Shooters shoot. I mean, five for 10 yep. and three for six. The, the, the three point, I mean, they made a combined six threes out of 10 attempts with 26 points. I mean, that's, that's what you need for guys like that just to come in. I mean, I know, obviously, you want to talk about the competition or whatever, that, that's college basketball. Yep. It doesn't matter 100%. what the competition is. Yep. You, still, you still got to make the shots and you still got to play hard. And, you know, those, those guys earned it. And it's, it's great to see things like that. 100%. They had a test back at the D1 level, as we talked about. Uh, it says attendance was 999, but I can promise you at least 1100 in the Red Hawk Center, which you love to see. You know, you can joke all you want about the size of the Red Hawk Center, but when it's packed and it's loud, I think the smaller gym benefits because it just it's just so much louder in an enclosed space. Red Hawks fed off that. It was a chippy game with them and the Vikings, who hadn't played since 2012 at the Key Arena, so before the remodel even, a game that the Red Hawks won. But the Vikings, I believe they were up in the series six games to four. So historically, it was a series that was pretty close, but the Red Hawks came out, improved a point. Cameron Tyson, again, dropped 32 points, 8 of 15, from three, I mean, he, the guy is just lights out. Schumacher, again, contributed well. As we said, the shots, not quite there yet. That's all right. 13 points. Uh, also had five assists, four rebounds, four turnovers as well, which you want to clean up. But it was a chippy, like I said, very chippy game. Five of 14 from the floor, as we said. Uh, 18 points from Paris Dawson, which you like to see because him and Schumacher are going to be the two primary guards now that uh, Trammell and Brown are both gone. 12 points from Shea Riley, who was going to be a big contributor off the bench. And then uh, Branton Chatfield only had six, but he came in and got key rebounds. And just because of the size difference there with Portland State, I think they wanted to get more versati versatility at the big position. That's why you saw mostly Emeka and Shea and even Kobe Williamson and Victor in there rather than Brant, who's more of a traditional big. But uh, 
any game is a hard-fought game, but uh, this one really showed that the Red Hawks are going to be a tough team. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the, the versatility they got the center position, not only the center position, the, the, the bigger position yep. in the court. I mean, I mean, yeah, Kobe Williams is not the biggest guy, but he's going to battle the tough guys. And we got Chaffield, who's, I believe, six seven, the transfer from Washington State two years ago. So Chris Victor does have his options, and he can rotate them depending on the matchups and the, depending on the way the, way the game is going. But the, the stat that sticks out to me between all these is there's not one there's not one guy that rebounds a lot more than the other. They all get after the boards, one through five. I mean, uh, 46 rebounds, and your leading rebounder is eight with Chatfield. Um, so obviously, you still got to find 38 boards somewhere. And you know we're not—they're not the tallest team, but they're going to no. scrap. Yep. And they're, you know, when you play CLU, you're going to get fouled. Yep, yep. And I—if you have so much versatility, I think it's more of today's basketball. It's become more positionless. You hear that all the time. When you got a bunch of guys that are six five, six six, you know they can play more than one position. You also stretch the floor a lot more. Everybody can handle the ball. You think about Emeka Udini, you're like, oh man, he, he's a bigger guy, but he handles the ball. He gets a rebound. He brings it up to court. You know, mm-hmm. beautiful spin move he has inside. He doesn't have a jump shot, but he doesn't need one when he gets his way inside. Um, so again, it's the versatility of this team so well. Uh, Tremel, who we know was a smaller guard in that size, who's still doing great things at the next. Uh, down there at San Diego State, but then you get a guy like Schumacher who's six three. You know that's a big size difference when it comes to matching up with people. Paris Dawson's even six two. You know Cam Tyson, six uh, three. You Riley Grigsby who also handles the ball, ball, but more of a forward guard kind of a tweener. He's six six. So you know the ability to throw different bodies at different people for head coach Chris Victor is going to be key for this team. I think throughout the season, Grant. And you know we talked about the height of Alex Schumacher, six three guard. You're not going to if you're not playing the the Utah Valleys, the CBUs, the um, New Mexico State and Grand Canyon, you're not going to see another six no, three guard no. probably. So you can maybe start playing him in the post, and like you said, uh, Emeka Udeni, who gets the boards, he can dribble it up. You know, you almost feel like he can be like a Draymond Green type exactly. style. That's what I always compare just, him to. Yep, just 100. percent Just uh, just play Alex down low, and you can get Udeni with the him up top and just play him down low. So I think you. You, you have an inside-and-out game this year with, with different sizes all yep. around, one through five. hundred percent. Well, we talked about the three games that have already happened, three wins, all convincing wins. Portland State, although the scoreline's only 12, Red Hawks led wire-to-wire in that one, and it was more just an off-shooting night, or else that could have been a little more out of hand. But now they go on the road for their first, not test, but they play at Portland's the first game of the season. They're not favored. Uh, they take on a pilot team trying to get the Portland sweep. That's going to be a tough one this Saturday at 5 p.m. They come back home, battle their final non-D1 opponent in Pacific Lutheran as the Lutes come up from Tacoma. Uh, that will be at November 23rd at the Red Hawk Center. There's also the food drive slash staff and faculty appreciation night. And then there's the one that everybody circles every single year at Washington as the Red Hawks and the Huskies battle again. Red Hawks. It's been a while since they beat the Huskies. I don't off the top of my head, but it's not uh, not in your and I's lifetime. I never, it's, it's never it been great. that, actually. <laughs> well, even worse. Um, so all time, I mean, it, it's it's been a tough matchup. 0-14, um, I believe it was since they were the Chieftains back in the day that that was been a competitive uh, matchup. I'm talking Elgin Baylor days. Um, so that's always a big one. And Red Hawks are due for a win on Mount Lake, obviously. So that's going to be one November 28th, right after Thanksgiving. Good chance to travel over there to University of Washington. 
finish off December, Cal State Fullerton at North Dakota, up in Grand Forks at Oregon State in Corvallis and Alcorn State, the HBCU. They're coming to town who have actually started to play the Red Hawks quite a bit recently, but then they get the nice little trip, Grant, to Hawaii for Christmas. They take on Utah State for sure on December 22nd, and then matchups with SMU or Iona on the 23rd, and then there's an there's a ability to play on December 25th, either Hawaii, Washington State, George Washington, or Pepperdine. So that's a good field for a Christmas trip to test the Red Hawks down there in uh, down there in Hawaii. Yeah, and we obviously got to focus on their Saturday game first before they get too. Uh, yeah, it's our job to look ex- ahead, not theirs. Too, ex- <laughs> yeah, too excited, but you know the the game against Portland's going to definitely be a tester earlier in the year. Um, see what they're really made of, and obviously they come home for that game against Pacific Lutheran, and then the one that everybody's circus Washington game. I think, I, I, I think this is CLU's year to beat them. I, if if there is a year, I mean, I look back uh, my freshman year, so 2020, the COVID year, um, they were in that game for about the first 30 minutes, and then Washington pulled away. And last year is pretty much close all the way. I think yep. they only lost by like seven or eight points. So. You know, CLU's closing that gap. And, you know, Washington hasn't been the strongest since Isaiah Thomas has left, but to, to beat a Pac-12 school like Washington would be big. And then they got Oregon State, and then obviously you had the, the, the Diamond Head Classic in, uh, at Hawaii is going to be is, – is really going to tell everybody what this team is made of playing against those, those bigger-time schools. Because, um, you know, you see a lot of those teams make, the, make March Madness every year. Yep. And that's what you always want. You want – you know, there was a criticism last year of the non-conference wasn't as strong for this team last year, and they kind of rolled through it. So to see an emphasis on more, I don't know, more tests in non-conference, I think will help this team. If you get banged up and you get a couple losses here or there, it's not the worst thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you obviously want your team to run the table every year. It's good to get some losses before conference play just to see how adversity and how you uh, respond to it. But it's it's definitely a good non-conference schedule. You get mixes of Pac-12 opponents. You get good uh, mid-majors in Portland, Portland State. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a good test. It's going to be a good test. Obviously, Washington State saw them last year. Hawaii, a good one. George Washington, who's made a couple of Cinderella runs. Pepperdine. So, you know, it's going to be a good mix in the non-conference. And uh, they don't get much rest after that Christmas one because they, they open up conference play on New Year's Eve against California Baptist, a team that's so well, and they've never played a normal game with the Lancers every time. It's overtime or coming down yeah. to a buzzer beater or something. Luckily, this time it's going to be at home at the Red Ox Center. This is at December 31st. That's Rudy's Rock and Eve. Celebrate New Year's if you're on campus. Obviously, it's the break, but uh, 3 p.m. tip-off there. Um, obviously, then you go on the road for the first time, Grant, UTRGV, UT Arlington, more towards the bottom in uh, even the projections for those two squads out of Texas. But then you get that one, that red out, New Mexico State, January 12th. If you remember last year, they went undefeated for so long in conference play. They were originally supposed to play New Mexico State early in the season, but I don't remember if it was COVID or what it was, but that game got moved. So there was a lot of questions on, oh, will they be undefeated? Well, now you have the opportunity, knock on wood, hopefully nothing changes. An early challenge here for the Red Hawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... The, I think the big difference is that one's that client pledge. Yeah. I think I think if you're New yep. Mexico State, you're looking at that. Okay, that's that helps us because the Red Hawk Center does have its disadvantages yep. to visiting teams. Yep. You know, with the depth perception of shooting, and New Mexico State obviously has a 
uh, has a large arena down there in New Mexico. Yep. So obviously I think Client Pledge is more their style, but I mean, like you said, with the crowd that comes out nowadays and the, the, the tests that CLU is going to face, I mean, they're not going to sleep on this game. They're, CLU and Chris Victor will have the guys ready and they will be they will wake up for that game and no matter where it is obviously play it's going to be a great game and we saw last year at the Red Hawk Center that fantastic game probably the best like 40 minute game I watched all last yep. year just yep. big bodies battling and guard play was unbelievable um, obviously New Mexico State won the WAC and went to the NCAA tournament and went to the lost in the round of 32 which I see. I think that brings also some motivation to the boys as well. So, you know, January 12th is definitely going to be another game at Circle uh, on the schedule. They're a rebuilding team. They have us. They lost already this season in non-conference play. New Mexico State did. Uh, they lost some key pieces, including their head coach, who's now on the East Coast. So, I mean, you can't overlook it, though. It's a program. And some, you know, programs stay solid when they have a tradition of winning. Um, but the team that was projected to come in front of them, you can talk about it. Uh, people turn in, tune in from the whack. I know they get a little hurt around this, but Grand Canyon and New Mexico State have been rivals in a lot of people's eyes, maybe not New Mexico fans' eyes, but it's been a rivalry, and now the Lopes are projected to come in first in the conference preseason, and the Red Hawks will see them February 11th here at a home. Rudy's birthday, don't figure out how they fit, found out he was born that day, whatever it is, and then they go on the road, Grant, on February 24th, so uh, just a couple of weeks after that first game, but you know the Lopes have one of the toughest arenas. You can put them in New Mexico State oh, yeah. in the pack or in the in the whack, excuse me. Uh, tough environment down there. The Havocs, they are loud. You know, playing soccer down there, they're a loud student fan base. Um, so it's going to be another big test there. Those are the games that you got to win if you want to prove. You're at the top of the conference. No, yeah, and, and that game at Grand Canyon is a Friday night, so <laughs> it's probably definitely going to be sold out. But as you said, uh, that, that's a tough stretch, starting the 11th against Grand Canyon, finishing with Grand Canyon on the 24th of February. They play Cal Baptist, who, which you talked about, the games that they've had in the uh, recent history. And then Utah Valley, um, obviously I did, they, they did lose the big, uh, the big name of Fidal's AMAC, now to Texas, Texas yep. Tech. Um, but Utah Valley is gonna they come up here on the 18th and that that four game stretch is definitely going to be a tough stretch and definitely going to test them um, before they finish the last two games of the year but we'll see going into that game what momentum uh, CLU's at playing Grand Canyon obviously Grand Canyon can change obviously too who yeah, knows if yep. Grand, Canyon, Grand Canyon could I mean it's, it's college sports so they could be like 10th in the conference at the time they could be first and undefeated so who, who really knows neither team's momentum in February I mean Obviously, for both teams, and you're a part of the team, you got to focus on right here, right now. Yeah, and obviously, last year is a proof. Seattle University projected in the middle, and they came mm -hmm. out of nowhere yeah. to everybody outside of here. We obviously all knew they were going to do that. Uh, and then, obviously, the year Tramel had, the year that Riley and Cam had. I mean, it was a great year last year. And any team, even the teams that we haven't talked about as being once the circle, you know, you could see a Southern Utah who won the Big Sky last year, and they make their first year here inside the Western Athletic Conference. They were in the NCAA tournament last year. Sam Houston is a solid program. Abilene Christian, who knocked out the Red Hawks in the WAC tournament in Vegas last year. They got one of the first place votes. Cal Baptist even got a first place vote. You know, how good they are. Stephen at Boston. I mean, there's so many good teams. This is no longer a league where it's like, we'll take anybody and you know, it's a hodgepodge. No, this is a solid, at least basketball. We know how good it is in soccer. We know how good, I mean, it is a solid league. With a lot of good teams, so you can't overlook anybody because, you know, someone's going to sneak up on you and get you. Mm -hmm. and no, even even last year is 
you had to show up every single game. Like yep. we saw when Chicago State beat New Mexico State, yeah. who ended up <laughs> allowing Stephen F. Austin and Seattle U to yep. share that conference title with them. So, yeah, you're going to have to wake up every single day and be like, all right, it's game day. It doesn't matter if we're playing the first team in the conference or last team in the conference. Yep. You're going to have to come out with your A game. And as we've seen in – I mean, you've been following WAC basketball a lot longer than I have, the, just the, the uprising of competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw it last year with – I would say arguably the four best players in the conference all transferred to pretty much power five schools, yep. obviously Darren Tramiel at San Diego State, but we saw some at Texas, at Texas Tech. So obviously it is it is an uprising conference. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's from top to bottom, it's definitely one of the better non-power five conferences out there. A hundred percent. Well, we talked about the schedule head. We kind of forgot to talk about the roster and all the new guys. We, we mentioned them obviously talking about the three game recap, but you get a new backcourt in Alex Schumacher and Paris Dawson, who uh, take over for Darion Trammell and Kyrie Brown. Kyrie over at New Hampshire now, uh, DT at San Diego State, still doing big things. Both of them going to be leaned on heavily. But Angelo slash Jello Lloyd coming in, he's a local guy, went to Kentwood High School, uh, transferred from Shoreline. He's going to be a big contributor as well. We saw him score big against Puget Sound. Uh, Dominic Penn's coming over from the University of Washington. He's been battling injuries, but he's going to be a key factor coming over as well. But Shea Riley, who might be not necessarily my favorite of the new guys, but he's one that's so energetic. He's uh, Kenneth Faree, the manimal. The, he's yeah. just, he has that instant energy and freak athleticism. He'll dunk on anybody, doesn't matter who it is. He'll sky high for a rebound or a block. Another one of those City College of San Francisco guys, and that's where DT, Emeka, Udini, I mean, so many great players have come over from City College of San Francisco to help Seattle University. He might be the next one in line to really make a, a big contribution. But those are the, the new guys who are really going to help this team this year. You throw them in with veterans such as Vastrapanja, who is still battling back from injury. We'll see him back out there. Cameron Tyson, preseason, uh, first team all whack. Uh, Riley Grigsby passed a thousand point club in his career last season. Second team all whack. Uh, then you got the young guys, Brody Nunn, who haven't played a lot but still have, you know, some experience under the belt now. Emeka Udini, who's solidified that post position and showed he's a Swiss Army knife out there on the court. Victor Rakovic, who's played in so many big moments now. Brent Chatfield, Matthew Levis, Kobe Williamson, who started every single game as a true freshman. Led the team in blocks. I think he was top 10 last year in the league in blocks. Last year, one of those traditional, well, not more new traditional stretch bigs who he can hit a three. He can also guard you in the paint. Uh, so this good mixture of new, good mixture of veteran, much like the, on the women's side, it's going to be how far can Cam and Riley lead this team and how much can the new guys help contribute to getting dubs this year. No, yeah, you're 100% correct on that part and you know you look at the new guys I think I think one that stands out for me is Shea Riley just because yep. he's one of those guys where if a coach tells you to do something he's not going to say yep. no he yep. will do it he will dive on the floor for a loose loose ball yeah, he, will, last night. <laughs> he will take on a seven foot seven guy and he will yep. battle him with all of everything that he's got so he's there's no backing down on him and you know we saw in the game he's he's dunking right under the rim just on two feet just straight up which you know that's got to be nice um because especially with Udeni playing more of the outside role and stuff with, with the ball handling, the passing, you got to get somebody that just sets down on the block there. Um, but yeah, with the new with the new guys like Dawson and Schumacher in the backcourt, you got their 
they're going to have to obviously propel Tyson and mm-hmm. uh, Grigsby. Um, they can't just do it by themselves. But there's everybody can shoot the ball too. I think, which is yes. very special of this team. You know, one through five. I mean, obviously, yeah. Udani doesn't take three. He I think really, Meg and really shoot, it might but, be the only two that I want to expect to pull up if they're wide open. Yeah, but everybody. Everybody shoots threes. I mean, I think they believe they shot 40% as a team last year, which is obviously outstanding. Yep. Um, so, yeah, if they can if, – if, and I, I have no doubt that they're going to gel well together. I mean, I don't have any doubt in Chris Victor and what that coaching staff is doing. Obviously, what happened last with, – with, with, with what went on last year with that team. So, mm-hmm. I have no doubt that they're going to get it correct. And I think they've already figured it out, if, if I'm being totally honest with <laughs> Three you. games in, and they've been impressive so far. Uh, news right before we started – Cameron Tyson was named Player of the Week inside the Western Athletic Conference. As we said, he is, in my account, leading the nation in scoring per game. He did not play against Puget Sound, but in two games, what is it, 32 and a half points, I believe, would be tops in the nation. He has scored the fourth most points in the nation total and has made the most amount of threes. The next closest person has, I believe, one less three and one more game played. So it just shows the great start for number five there from Bothell and Bothell High School. Well, we will now bring in head coach Chris Victor on the Red Ark Report. Had a chance to sit down with him and see how he feels heading into the 2022-23 season. Welcome back into the basketball preview edition of the Red Hawk Report. We're joined by Edmonds basketball coach Chris Victor. Coach, thanks for joining the show. Oh, you got it. Thanks for having me. You guys are coming into a new year after one of the best in 50 years for men's basketball. You guys have similar expectations to last year, though, in preseason standings. How do you feel coming into this year? Yeah, you're right. New team, new year. Um, Our goals are the same. Uh, We want to win a conference championship. We want to get to the NCAA tournament. Now, it's going to be a different team, so that path will be different. Um, we have to find our identity and find out how we're going to get there. So, you know, the guys have been working hard in October. We've had a great month of practice. We're excited to play somebody else, get on the road to San Diego, and really start to develop this team's identity. So anytime you have a new team, we have a lot of returners, so that's going to help with the experience. But this is a new team, a new, a new year, so we've got to figure out how we're going to achieve our goals and what this team's going to look like. One of the reasons possibly that picked in the middle of the whack, you lost your primary point guard, your leading scorer, How's that been trying to replace them with so many new faces? Yeah, DT was great. I had an unbelievable two years here and uh, obviously love the guy and wish him the best next year and, or this season. But, um, yeah, with new faces in that position, something we're still trying to figure out. Um, had some great competition throughout October and uh, a bunch of guys really putting in some good days and some good effort. And that will be something that I think as we progress throughout the season, it will we'll get some more clarity in that spot. Um, but with seven of nine of our guys coming back that played a lot of minutes last year, um, that continuity coming back is has been important to us in October. And I think part of um, filling that role will be all of those those sevens taking a step up from their last year's game. So not just one guy coming in and, and filling that point guard role, but kind of everyone making contributions in different ways. You talked about it when we first started the interview, the expectations, but you also coming off a historic season having the new guys in there, having the returners as well, what is the motivation now? Is it NCAA tournament? Is it winning the WAC? What, what is it now for them? Yeah, I mean, I think the guys that were on this team last year have a little bitter taste in their mouth from losing in, in Vegas still. And um, the loss to Abilene in the semifinals, that hurt. And these guys still feel it. And our goal, um, we achieved one, which was to win a WAC championship. But to go to the NCAA tournament is our ultimate goal. So um, we didn't achieve that last year. And that's going to be something that we work towards this year. And yeah, I think we will find some motivation from from that loss last season, and I think our guys still feel it and still 
still haunts him a little bit and the staff. But, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be our goal of this program. We want to win a WAC championship, and we want to go in the NCAA tournament, and this team can do it. And um, we know it's not going to be easy. This conference is great, and there's gonna be a, it's going to be a tough road ahead, but we're looking forward to it. Cam and Riley both made all-team selections. Cam first, Riley second. Riley, who's been here his entire career, Cam, who came in last year, how's their growth been over the past couple of seasons? You know, Riley being his fifth year, unbelievable growth from his freshman year till now. And it's just, like hope, just really excited for him to have a great, great fifth year to finish his career here. He deserves it. It's a huge part of this program. Um, yeah, and Cam came in right away um, and made an impact on our program. First year came in and not only on the core, obviously he's dynamic scorer, shooter, but also just all the intangibles that he brings to our program from his work ethic to his toughness. Uh, his accountability, just how good of a teammate he is. All those things are really elevated this program. So those two guys do so much from on the court. They're going to be our fir preseason first-team all-conference guys. And um, there's a good chance they'll, they'll do a bulk of our scoring for us this year. But they, they bring so much more to this program overall, and they're a big reason why we were able to win last year, and we're looking to continue that this season. You guys have the Diamond Hand Classic over the Christmas break. Several other key matchups. Is there one that you're circling the most, or are you, what are you most excited for? On that yeah, right schedule? now it's UC San Diego. Yeah. So a little coaching cliche talk yeah. for you, but, <laughs> but that's the one we're looking at right yeah. now. Um, obviously, the game against UW is always important for our season. We get to go down to Oregon State, play another Pac-12 opponent, which will be great for us. Um, the Diamond Head Classic homecoming game against Portland State will be exciting on campus. So there's a lot of sums that we're looking at that we're excited about. But right now, I mean, at least in my eyes, we'll get to those other games. Right. A week in, a week in uh Honolulu will be something that we're looking forward to. It'll be a little to. nice. <laughs> but that San Diego game, that first row game is going to be a battle, and um, you know that's the one that I, right now we're circling. You guys, as the season went on, Red Hawk Center started to get packed more and more. What's it like to have a full Red Hawk Center cheering you guys on? It's awesome. You know, the energy in that building when it's sold out is something special. And uh, last two or three games last year, we really felt it. And when you go on a run or that big moment down the stretch, when that place is – is live. It's 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 a fun place to play. It's a true home court advantage. It's a true college basketball atmosphere, um, and it was just great to have that that support from the community, that support from the university and campus. And we look forward to having some of those environments again this season. Well, we appreciate you uh, stopping by and chatting with us, Coach. Oh, you got it. Thanks for having me. And another thank you to Coach of the Year, Chris Victor, last year. Got that interim tag rightfully taken away, given the head coach role. Did an amazing job and easily one of the best coaches in college basketball now. I appreciate him taking time uh, to talk about the team going in. But, uh, Grant, let's wrap up this episode. Again, thanks for hopping on, man. We really appreciate it. One of my, obviously, favorite student athletes around here. You got a good voice to you. You know, you know your sports. Um, but the week ahead, which we have, it's not really packed with much next three days no sports going on here or away 14 15 and 16th are blank 17th uh portland state comes to town to take on women's basketball 6 p.m tip off there as we said red ox basketball trying to get a sweep over the vikings men's already got it done up to Susie barkham and the women's squad to do the same that will be broadcast live on espn plus you and i will be there live stats also as well so pack the red hawk if you can't be there tune in on espn plus and then the weekend rolls around cross countries at the ncaa championships down there in oklahoma in stillwater so big there for cross country also going on 
Saturday, UC Irvine in town to take on women's basketball. 2 p.m. tip there, ESPN+. Plus. Jason Duro is going to be on the call for you there on that one as the Red Hawks and Anteaters, I believe. UC Irvine, right? I believe you are yeah, on that one. Yeah, I think Anteaters trying to get all my California educational system schools down. Uh, they come in, and then I'll be in Portland with men's basketball on the radio side as they play the Pilots, another big test for Chris Victor's squad. 5 p.m. on KXSU 102.1 FM. I believe is also being broadcast on the WWC Sport, WWC, WCC Sports Network there, which is a free stream online through their website. So definitely tune in there as they try to move to 4-0 and on the season men's basketball. Uh, so not a lot going on, but it's still a lot of big matchups going on as uh, we continue to get more into those cold months here in Seattle. Uh, it starts to heat up on the hardwood. Obviously, well, Grant, thanks for uh, hopping on first Red Hawk report. You know, I said well, I want to get you on more often, man. We got to get you in the studio. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely enjoyable. Obviously, first one. Hopefully, much more to come after yeah, today. Yeah, definitely. I, any any Monday, you feel you know, hey, I'm gonna stop in the studios at KXSU. You know, you always welcome. Doors open, man. Well, but, the good uh, news is I got five o'clock on Mondays so free every single. Hey, there we go. So. Look at that. We we got <laughs> might have the new uh, host of the Red Hawk report here uh, in Grant, but uh, you know we appreciate it. Obviously, you're. Very, very good, hard-driven student. You're a student athlete, someone that everybody should look up to. Um, so we appreciate you, Grant, well, taking you. over uh, taking words. over the goalposts too, right? Yeah. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> Making sure that we uh, get some wins next year. Well, again, thanks for tuning in to the Red Hawk Report here. Thanks for everybody that helps. Susie Barkham, Chris Victor, on Trevor Bond, providing our video and audio support. For Grant and myself, everybody have a good rest of your night. We'll see you next week, Red Hawk Nation.